Baruch haba, everyone. Blessed is the arriver. Welcome to Genesis again. And Brad, you were just telling me we're on 22. Is that right? Number 22. All right. So let's get going. Uh, Brad, I was going to say, uh, any, any thoughts on 22, actually, before I start? It's a nice round number, 2-2. Two, two. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2-2. Two, two. I don't know if we need to share that story. <laughs> uh, yeah, 20. Well, now you have to. Okay. Very quickly. Um, at our old job that Scott and I used to work together, our phone system used to have extensions. So you'd put somebody on hold. And I like to use 522. Two. Uh, and then people would just abbreviate that the last two digits. So I would call people and say, hey, your call is on line 22. And they would say, what line was that? Was that 22? And I just found it absolutely hilarious that I was getting all these people to say 22. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they figured this out. And that became an unfortunate nickname for a while. <laughs> yep, a couple people just started calling him that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well... That was an interesting way to start this, but as always, I'm Scott. <laughs> and I'm Tutu, and this <laughs> is not about us. All right, so we're back, and we're ready to go. But Brad, before we get started... Uh, could you go ahead and invite Yahweh in to, uh, to have his place uh, today? Absolutely. Real quick, I'll let the listeners know we're actually recording this on Thanksgiving Day. And so because of that, I'll say, Yahweh, our Almighty, our awesome God, our awesome Father, I want to say right now, right here, I am thankful for you. No other God would do. Your mercy, your glory, your honor, it's just amazing. I'm thankful for the blessings that you have given us, the ones that we see clearly, and the ones that we don't. How exciting will it be to be in your presence and see all those other blessings that we were not even aware of? God, I'm thankful for I'm thankful for this podcast and I'm thankful for Scott, a partner to help me dig deeper into your word and understand you even better. As always, we can't do this without you. Lord God, we need you here with us. We need you here with us, but we need you to take control of this and make it truly all about you. I know you can find glory in this for yourself, but I want to give you as much glory as I can as well. And I know Amen. Scott does too. So please be that honored guest and help us find the things that you want us to find and the things that you want us to share with our listeners. We love you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Okay, so we ended last time. We're talking about... We've been talking about Cain and Havel, or English speakers will know them as Cain and Abel. And 
We ended last time with Genesis 4.13, and it was very brief. We only just touched on it, but I think it's important to start where we left off last, last time, just by saying, And Cain said unto Yahweh, My punishment is greater than I can bear. And we touched on it at the end of last podcast that this is a statement for the whole human race. This is a prophetic statement for all of us. Uh, I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it. When we read the Old Testament, we need to view them as physical examples of spiritual truths for ourselves. And this is very clearly mankind saying, I can't handle it. My punishment is greater than I can bear. We need a Savior. You cannot do it on your own. The punishment for your sin, the wages of sin is death, and all of us have sinned. I think a lot of Christians that truly understand that they are sick, that the things that they are do are, are a sickness, the sin is going to kill them. I think a lot of Christians, when they come to that point, um, at least I'm speaking from my own experiences, they're very much like Cain here the the punishment is too much and and that's what's amazing about the fact that uh it's a free gift yeah you can get out you get a you get a get out of this punishment card you get a get out of jail free card you and you don't you deserve everything you deserve all of god's wrath because of the things that you have done once you make that realization that salvation that Jesus offers is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, amen. Yes, yeah. Uh, for my own part, uh, I've shared some of my testimony in other podcasts, but I never remember a day where I wasn't saved or I wasn't a Christian. I always believed in God. My parents raised me that way. But I do have many times in my life where the reality of it sunk in. Mm-hmm. And many, I have many stages, like we all do, I have many stages of growth and uh, several times in my life where I went, oh, that's what it means. Uh, many times when I went humbly crying before God for, for whatever reason. And, and I, I do, I have to say, it's, it's good that we're doing this on Thanksgiving, at least in the United States of America. I don't know where, or if you celebrate it, where you are. Uh, but, but this is a day for just the nation to give thanks to God Almighty for blessing this nation, for, for being here for us. And our punishment is greater than we can bear. Thank God we don't have to bear it. Yes. But now I'm going to move on. Now, I want to say going into this that this was another kind of cool moment for me because... The verses we're going to do here, I'm going to do Genesis 4, 14 through 16. And going into this, it was kind of a bridge uh, because at Genesis 4, 17, studying this a while back, something jumped out at me that I thought was just pretty cool. And I thought, well, we got to get to that point. But I was kind of in my own mind, I was like, okay, we got to get there. <laughs> so these verses right here just kind of let, let's just get there. I, I was even thinking there, this wouldn't take too long, as I always do. It's like, oh, this, this, this will be nothing. Then 
the more I studied these particular verses, the more God stopped me and said, you know, wait, there's truth here too. Uh, so this was a pretty cool moment for me because it was one of those that I was thinking, I am not going to find much, and then I did. And uh, so personally, this, this was another one of those neat moments where God just said, hey, it's all over. It's not just where you're looking. So you get to a point and you realize that it was really all about the journey to get there. Some sort of yeah. philosophical message there. <laughs> the, the journey is awesome if, if you realize what it is you're looking at. And so I'll start by saying Genesis 4.14. And this is the voice of Cain or Cain. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the land. And from your face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth. And it will come to pass that whoever finds me will slay me. So now... I don't even have this written down, but it just occurred to me there as I was speaking that. I was kind of putting myself in Cayenne's place to a degree, and it suddenly occurred to me, I don't necessarily know Cayenne's emotion here. I don't know if he's he's going, I, I don't know if he's worried. I don't know if he's scared. I don't know if he's angry. Um... I guess I just don't know. I, I, I sort of grew up thinking that Cayenne is like, oh no, oh no, this can't happen. But now the more I wonder, the more I think about it, I wonder if Cayenne is, is saying, oh, you can't, no way. What is wrong with you, God? I, I really don't know. And we can't know for certain everything going through his heart. We can only kind of uh, piece together emotions from what is said, but uh, I don't exactly know what's going through Cayenne's mind or, or what's in his heart right here. Yeah, it's hard to say. We can try to look at the events after this and, and, and what he does, but there's not much there. So up to this point, I feel like he's been, this is just my own personal thoughts, but I feel like he's been very uh, selfish individual. And if he hasn't come to a place of actual repentance, then I think like a lot of people, he, and, and, and myself included, I'm self-convicting, but I feel like right here he's probably angry at God. Probably probably treating God much kind of how like we do. God, that's unfair. Yeah. Refusing to look at, you know, our own selves and, and our own actions. Uh, we just cast blame. God, that's unfair. Can't believe you would do that. Yeah. How many prisoners are in jail for a life sentence for multiple murders and believing that it's it's other people that are keeping them down? Yeah. You know, not not accepting the fact that they not accepting responsibility for their own actions, just treating it like I can't believe they did this to me. You yeah. Know? It's hard to say, but that's kind of where that's kind of where I feel he is at this point. Is he's not? I don't think he's repentive. I think he's very much angry at the situation. But again, we don't know. Yeah. Again, how many prisoners are there that went that that are in jail? Going, you know what? I deserve it. You know, I, this is terrible. But uh, yeah, I did that. You know, and and could Cayenne right here have gone? Uh oh. Oh my goodness, I, I went too far. Mm -hmm. Oh, what have I done? We, we just don't really know. 
Uh, so I guess I just want to throw that out there is we shouldn't treat it as an absolute like we do know one way or the other. Right. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, until okay. we get a time machine and we can go back and witness it for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing that jumped out at me here that I wanted to point out was the word face because it's repeated twice. Uh, well, actually, it's repeated once, I suppose. It's said once, <laughs> then repeated once. So anyway, just to get technical. Uh, Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the land, and from your face shall I be hid. And I had a suspicion, and it was proved correct, because uh, we've brought up this Hebrew word, panim, a couple different times, and it's the word being used here, and I suspected it would be. Now, do you remember this word, Brad, panim? Does that ring any bells? I know they're hard. They all blend so that, you know, I don't expect you to know, but thought I'd ask since we've actually gone over this word twice in our studies. Well, I was wondering if this is uh, also the same word that we were when we were discussing the face of the sky and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yes. This is, it can also be used uh, for the, for the English word presence. And this is exactly what you're talking about when we were talking about the sky uh, the face of the sky, the openness, you know, the, you know, the birds flying in the open air, and the open was this word. But it's also the word in Genesis 3.8 used when Adam and Eve hid from the presence of God. So this presence, face, uh, that's connected. And, and that's what I suspected was going on here. When I looked it up, I was right. So he's, Cain is saying Essentially, you're driving me away from your manifest presence. So, so he's driving, I mean, that's, that's the greatest penalty that we can get is to be driven away from God's direct presence, from intimacy with God. Wherever we are in the universe, wherever we are in reality, God exists. There is no place where God is not but his manifest presence is not in some places or with some people because they have driven him out. And from my own study of looking into why we can't, why we can't see uh, the face of God, I also will say this is a blessing then to Cain because if God in his perfect glory were to look upon the face of a sinner— then it would have to be destroyed. God can yeah. cannot look upon the the sin and the and, and the imperfect without uh, His glorious state being revealed. So this is also a mercy to Cain, even if he even if he does not realize or see it. Mm-hmm. And you you brought up something too. We're going to get into in a little bit here. Um, so I want you to hang on to that what you just said. We're going to come back to that. But first, I want to go over. Uh, the word picture here that we've we've done a couple times, uh, and and I haven't changed anything from the previous time. I haven't come up with anything new for this one, but the the letters are uh, for pa nim uh, is pe nun he yod mem, and the interpretation we came up before was the entrance to life is revealed, or the way to life is opened by a mighty deed. And I thought that was not worth changing because I thought this is what Cayenne cut himself off from. Yeah. 
The entrance to life is no longer revealed to him. He can't see it. He can't enter. Uh, the way to life opened by a mighty deed, he's cut himself off from that action. And now I want to get back to what you just said, being a blessing. Because uh, I honestly don't know. We're going to get more into this as we go over these verses here and, and verses in the future. I'm fighting with was Cain able to repent after this moment? I honestly don't know. And what I mean by that is, now I don't have the verses here, and I didn't, I didn't go into this. I, I probably should have, but there's a section in the Bible that talks about the unforgivable sin. And there are five things specifically listed, and I'm sorry, I should have, I'm kind of, just thinking about this now. I should have prepared in advance. Maybe I'll do that next time. Uh, it's just kind of occurring to me now about that. But I'm wondering if sin, if sin uh, I'm wondering if Cain committed it here. And the reason, it's not, it's not the murder that he's committed. Uh, it's not murder in and of itself. What I'm wondering is if it's what we've talked about before is, is Cain, Cain, Sorry, I keep, I keep going back and forth between Cain and Cain. Sorry about that. But I wonder if he actively rejected God. Because the, the unforgivable sin essentially comes down to you know God. You know him intimately. You know him just, in, you know exactly who he is and what you're doing when you walk away. The unforgivable sin, and this goes back again to, I believe Cain is a prophetic picture at this point of Lucifer. And that's what Lucifer did. This is why Lucifer and his angels cannot come back to repentance because they dwelt in glory. They beheld God directly. They didn't have a image of God fed to them through a book, through teachings, an idea in their mind, seeing him through a glass darkly, they lived with him. They knew him and they rejected that. They said, no, I actively walk away. I choose something other than you. They committed an unforgivable sin and they are not allowed back into heaven. The fallen angels, Lucifer, they cannot repent. I honestly, I'm fighting with myself. And Brad, I want your thoughts on this. And we'll get into this as we go over more things, more verses, other things that come up. Did Cain commit the unforgivable sin? And, and one of the reasons I think that, that he might have is because even though they'd been kicked out of the garden, Adam and Eve and the kids were essentially dwelling with God. I mean, in other words, they, he was still communicating with them. He was, they still... Right here, Cain says, you have driven me away from your face, from your, which means he wasn't before. He was, he was in the presence of God. And did he, is it, I, I don't know, I'll throw it out there. Did, did he walk away to the point where he cannot be saved? So you, you brought up an interesting point um, about the, un, the unforgivable sin. When I was... When I was uh, uh, new at the relationship seeking, 
I heard about this unforgivable sin and that scared me because I was concerned that have I already done that? Have I already screwed up so bad that, that I will not be forgiven? And so I actually looked into this and I think, I think you're right. I, from, from what I can remember of my study, it was um, if you grieved God's spirit. And so immediately I went to, okay, the Holy Spirit. And I immediately got scared because how many times have I grieved the spirit? How many times have we all grieved the spirit? But the more I looked into it, I think you're right, Scott. It's not necessarily the spirit, the, the spirit of God. It's his nature, God's nature. So if you go, yeah. if you go against God's nature, well, you need to understand his nature before you can go against it. Yes, and exactly. I, and I think that's why even even an atheist who can uh, call God filthy names and and spit on him and, 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 and all these kind of things can still be saved. Yes. Because he does not actually know the nature of God. He's refusing to actually look at it. If he were to actually sit down and learn the nature of God, I mm-hmm. think he could still be saved. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's a very good point. I don't want to scare anyone listening. Oh my God, my goodness, can I be saved? Have I sinned? Have I gone too far? God will forgive everything you do. God loves you, and and he's not he's not going to uh, leave you alone and in hell all your life uh, if you're chasing him. This is specifically, and again, that's another study maybe we should get into, but in a nutshell, it's specifically those who know exactly what they're doing. Right. They know God. They know exactly who he is. He's not just a nameless, faceless being. They have intimacy with him. This is the Christian who has not just accepted God uh, but he has grown to a place in his life where he has met God directly. He is working in miracles. He is he knows the power of God. He is intimate in every way and fully understands what he is rejecting. This is the prodigal son that does not return. This is one who would rather be anywhere uh, that his father is not. But... Uh, but once again, without I think without really being in Cain's head and yeah. understanding, I don't because I I feel like to have commit that to com- commit an unforgivable sin, it's got to be done on a heavy spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we have enough information right here to know that for sure. I agree. But, but if you are, if, but if, and I, and I'm starting to, I'm starting to really believe this. If he is a physical picture of Lucifer, then, then yeah, then no, you're at, you, you would be absolutely right that I don't think he could have been, well, okay. I think he could have been. Yeah. There's always, there's always the possibility that even the worst of us, and and not by our standards, but by the spiritual standards, the one who commits the worst, you know, offense against God, who is worthy of this, you know, uh, being unsaved, you've you've committed a sin so horrendous to God that you have to be destroyed. I like to think that there's always the chance Mm -hmm. that that person, you know, can come back. But but they have to want to. Yeah, and that's just it right there. Now, I, I didn't really mean to get off on this topic of the unforgivable sin, but again, I want to encourage people who are thinking, have I done that? 
you know, like Brad just said he did. Um, I, again, if you're ignorant of God, if I believe Hitler could have been saved. I believe, you know, basically when we're in, when we're in ignorance and we can commit horrific deeds because we're deceived into thinking that's the way of the world, that's the way of life, uh, God is wooing and calling and trying to pull us out of that constantly. The, the Bible is really all about not our chase for God, but God's chase for us. Mm-hmm. God is wooing and calling us, and he loves us, and he wants us to come back. Again, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but this is for the person who knows exactly what he's doing. Yes. And I, what I personally believe is that God's presence, God's spirit is constantly wooing us. There are some people, like Lucifer, the, the people who have committed the unforgivable sin cannot come back because God is no longer wooing them. God is, they have made a statement, they have made an active choice to walk away, knowing full well what they've done, not in ignorance, not through deception, uh, but understanding exactly what they're doing, having lived it, having participated in it, having known it firsthand, and then rejecting it. That's what I'm talking about, and I believe that God says, okay, you have made your decision. I will not force anything upon you. I'm walking away. You walked away from me completely, so I'm cutting, I'm cutting you off. I'm not wooing you anymore. I'm not chasing. Because there's not that connection from God seeking us, I don't believe there's a possibility of us coming back because like you said, I don't believe we'll ever want to. Right. Because that wooing no longer exists, there's not a drawing to God. So even though it's still technically free will and we could still go after God, we're never going to want to. Um, if you're in this place where you say, where you're worried about it, then then you haven't committed the unforgivable sin because you still care. Right. means God's still wooing you. God's still chasing you. There's a burden on your heart to come to him. That means you haven't committed the unforgivable sin. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on this topic and get off of Genesis. I just, I, it suddenly hit my heart that there might be someone listening who says, is that me? Does God not love me anymore? And I, I just wanted to add that reassurance. It's not you. No, no, no. I think that was a very important off subject uh, conversation because until you mentioned it, I kind of forgot about that. I was, I was that person. I was afraid because there are stages of repentance. There is this first stage, and and, and actually I shouldn't say the first stage because I've had this first stage many, many times then, but there are stages where you just become so overwhelmed by everything that you've done. And you realize the weight of that. Mm -hmm. And it's in those moments that I I feel that there is is absolutely... Have you gone too far? That's what you're thinking. There's absolutely no way he's going to forgive me for this. I don't deserve to be forgiven for this. And then you find out that he does. Mm -hmm. You get that, you get something, you get a, you get a sign, you get, you you continue to the next day and you realize that he is wooing you or something happens and you realize, man, he's even greater than I think he is. You know, it's just, it's, it's, I've had that happen many, many times. So yes, no, if you are in that stage, 
Um, feel free to feel free to comment or send us a message because uh, Scott and I have both have been there. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's something we could probably help with. But anyway, Genesis. Well, the next thing uh, I wanted to bring up here is just Cayenne's statement, whoever finds me will slay me. Now, this statement is used by the people who believe that there is another race or group of people already on the earth um, as, as evidence that there is a pre-Adamic race because we have Adam and Eve. They gave birth to Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. And now Cain says, anyone who finds me is going to kill me. Where are these people coming from? So uh, I wanted to discuss this very briefly. It can mean there are other people out there. It can mean there is a pre-Adamic race of people out there, but it does not necessarily mean. So basically, uh, as we explain this, I'm going to tell you now, it's kind of a non-answer in that it doesn't verify anything conclusively. Cain and Havel are spoken of in the Bible, but this doesn't necessarily mean they're the only children Adam and Hava had. Uh, there could have been many, many, many children by this time. The Bible just doesn't record them. We've seen this many other times in the Bible. Uh, certain people are named because of their importance to the story, or for genealogical understanding, or for a variety of reasons. But we know that more people existed in their family, uh, in particular stories, in particular uh, instances. We just don't know who they are, because they have no importance to us. They're put in the Bible for a reason, for us to connect with this particular event, or person, or something is supposed to reveal truth to us. The other people exist, they're just not important to add to Scripture for one reason or another. So we don't know how many children Adam and Eve have had. Adam and Hava could have had 50 kids by this time, and those kids could be having kids, and so on. We just simply don't know. Uh, we also don't know how much time has passed since Cain's birth and this event of the murder. And Brad, you look like you're going to say something. Nope. Jump in. That was the point I was going to make. We don't know how long it is, and we know for uh, a fact that people lived much, much longer lives during this mm -hmm. time period. So, and 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 that's and and we don't even know then if people lived longer lives. Were you considered an adult at 15, 16, or were you considered an adult at 30? Because yeah. a lot of times you hear they had their children in their 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s. You know, they had. So, are they kind of not considered an actual adult then? Which makes sense, because if you're living a much longer lifespan, yeah, uh, you may not be considered. You know, now we now we kind of force them to grow up quicker because you know we, we only have seventy years uh, mm -hmm. more for if we're blessed. But, but yeah, we uh, just don't know. But yeah, they might have spent their first thirty, forty, maybe even more. And also something to consider: we do have one limitation, and that is that Adam was a hundred and thirty years old when he had Seth. Mm -hmm. So we do know there's a 130-year span. But we have to remember, Adam and Hava, uh, they, when, when they began, uh, when they were kicked out of the garden, they're, they're adults. They're, they weren't, of that 130 years, there wasn't 20 years of it at the beginning where they were kids growing up. They were having kids immediately. Right. So they had Cain and Havel right away, 
They had 130 years to keep having more kids. We have no idea how many they've had. We just know that this event happened and then they have another child because of this, you know, to replace the children, the, 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 well, both children, really, uh, the child that was murdered and the child that got kicked out. Uh, but Seth was a replacement. But we don't know that these are the only kids they've had. Right. And I, I remember by today's standards, we might go, ew, but I, I've done some studies on this too. And they would have had to have married, you know, brothers would have had to have married sisters, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. And at this point, the we're, we're only, okay, real quick. Imagine, imagine that you take um, one document and you copy it over and over and over again. You take you take the copy and then you copy that one. You take the copy and you take the copy. And eventually it's going to start to degrade. Mm-hmm. It's going to be almost, it's going to get harder and harder to read. You can do the same thing with, with uh, computer programs. If you copy a computer program and then you take a copy from that, and you take a copy from that, it's going to start to get buggy the longer it goes. So nowadays, if two siblings have children a lot of times there can be problems with that child. Well, here at the very beginning, they're only one copy away from the prime source. Right. So they they're not going to be buggy. But if you keep if you keep doing that over, you know, the couple thousand or uh, several thousand generations, then it's going to get more and more buggy, which which I personally believe is what is what's happening to us now. I believe mm-hmm. that the the prime source Adam, the prime source, uh, every every copy from him got a little less, a little less perfect until mm-hmm. we got to where we are now. Oh yeah, uh, and on that, on that note, I read an article you know a few months ago talking about how we're not improving as the human race is actually degrading right. over time. Yeah, we think we 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 want to our human arrogance. We want to believe that we are evolving. We want to believe this stuff to be true. But it, it, the theory but we're actually breaking down. Yeah, the theory of evolution is a theory, and it's wrong. We're actually go. We're actually going the other way, and that's why I don't necessarily think we portray ancient people as ignorant and fools, and oh, they were so dumb, they didn't have technology and all this kind of stuff. I don't believe that. I think the further we're going along, the more we're actually losing. But anyway, that's another topic. Sometime let's. Okay, now. Uh, another thing about this is Cain's Cain's statement: "Whoever finds me will slay me." It could also be simply referring to a time in the future when he knows he will come across people eventually. I mean, it's a future statement. It will come to pass that whoever finds me will slay me, even if no other children existed at this moment. It doesn't mean they would never exist ever. Cain's statement could simply be a reflection of that. My point is, for those who say this is proof that there was a pre-Adamic race, it's, it's not. It's, it's not against it. it. It doesn't eliminate the fact, but it in and of itself is not absolute proof that that exists. That's all I wanted to point out about that. Uh, again, I don't know for certain. I wasn't, it wasn't there. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, any of those things do or do not apply. I'm just... Again, pointing this out uh, as these type of things, as they come up, doesn't negate it, but it doesn't prove it. Now, 
We mentioned before that a fugitive and a wanderer uh, was mentioned twice. This is the second time. It was already discussed in Genesis 4.12. God curses him to being a fugitive and wanderer. And here, Cain repeats it, a fugitive. I, I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say about that other than to point out just the fact that I, I find that it was repeated to be important. Uh, as, you know, two witnesses uh, confirm a thing. And here we have it repeated. I just, I just think that gives it kind of an importance. But I'm going to move on from there because I'm not exactly certain what that means at this point. Now, I was also thinking, whoever finds me will slay me. Why? And, and the reason I wondered why is because I, it occurred to me, does that mean everyone on earth so far is a good person who is essentially going to be ang- so upset at what he did that they're going to find it justice and righteousness to kill him, to slay him for this action? Or is he saying he's being kicked out of God's presence and so the people he's going to be around are not good people who are going to take advantage of him, who are, who are going to take advantage of his separation from God? Is he walking into an area of all good people or all evil people? It just made me think. Well, I think um, this is my opinion, but I think you've discussed this before about the fence. If you you know when you're with God, when you're mm-hmm. in, when when you're with inside the fence, you're protected. Yeah. So when you are no longer in the fence, when you're when when you no longer have that hedge of protection from God, then yeah, it doesn't make me think that they're necessarily good people out there, and and we don't necessarily know who they are, but. Well, I guess kind of what I saw and going back in line with is this unforgivable sin that kind of that and along those lines is he a picture of Satan? Mm-hmm. If Adam and Eve are having children and everyone's a big happy family, they're living in the presence of God, and Cain has done this thing, is his own family going to kill him? He's going to say, "How how dare you have done this to our brother? Are they going to kill him?" Or again, is there possibly a pre-Adamic race? or some other people out there who have already separated from God, who are already doing whatever, and they're just, again, there's that fence of protection that they couldn't get in before. God was with Adam and Eve and his family and keeping them from these evil people, but now he's out there with those evil people. Yep. I just, I wasn't sure. He, he makes this statement, whoever finds me will slay me. In, in other words, every single person he comes across will want to kill him. Not just, you know, oh, there might be people out there who want to who want to do me harm. No, he makes the statement, whoever finds me is going to kill me. Why? Why do they automatically want to kill him? Every single person. Hard to say. Could be something uh, along the line that he was in God's protection. So mm-hmm. the people who are out there um, might want to kill him because of that. Um, maybe they're so yeah. far so so far fallen that they hate anything that is of God. Um, you know, yeah, hard to say. But that's kind of where the people out there. That's kind of where I was going with this. Is who are the people out there? What what is this verse telling us about who already exists on the earth? I don't 
really have an answer to that either. I just pointing it out as it makes me think. Yeah, absolutely. This will be one of those things that we won't be able to verify until no. we're with the <laughs> we're with the creator and he's explaining it all to us from mm-hmm. you know from his point of view. But uh, it's still it's still very interesting. What was that uh, ancient? Not even really ancient, but what was that world like before mm-hmm. before the flood and 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 all this kind of stuff? I mean, it's super interesting, but. Uh, I think the big lessons to learn is don't be like those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Don't be a Cayenne. Yes. <laughs> now, Genesis 4.15, this is going to add further confusion, and, and I will reveal my confusion anyway. But Genesis 4.15, And Yahweh said unto him, Therefore, whoever slays Cayenne, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Yahweh set a sign for Cain, lest any finding him should smite him. Now, well, firstly, I want to point out in my research on this, there are variations to this. Uh, it, uh, the texts that we get are, are all of our translations, actually, uh, our Bibles. They come from fragments and pieces found uh, all over. And they've taken certain pieces that they believe to be the most original that, that possible. And there are several versions, and they basically put them together and tried to find out what was most accurate. Well, there is what's called the Aramaic, Aramaic Peshitta version, and there's a Greek LXX translation. Now, in Greek, the LXX is something else, but uh, that's what they call it here. In English, that's what I'm going to say. And the word therefore is replaced with not so. So in those versions, he doesn't say, therefore, whoever slays Cain. He says, not so. Like he's saying, no, that's not going to happen. Because whoever slays Cain, I'm going to take vengeance on him so they won't do it. I point that out simply for your your ponderance, the listener. Uh, uh, Therefore or not so. Uh, anyway, I'll move on from that. But overall, uh, what I saw was that this was God. Initially, what I've seen all through my childhood, and you can agree with me or, or, or tell me I'm wrong, Brad. But, You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. <laughs> are we saving this or are we editing it? <laughs> I don't think we need to edit this. Okay, so then for those of you who don't know, this is my birthday as well as Thanksgiving, and that's my niece, Brad's wife, who's Happy jumping in. Happy birthday to you. Oh, cut it out. <laughs> no, I think it's going to stay in. Can I get back? <laughs> yes. So anyway, after so rudely interrupted, oh my goodness. <laughs> But, you know, I always saw this as God saying, you know, I'm going to protect you from that, right? This is God saying, you know, no, Cain, that's not going to happen. No one's going to kill you uh, because I am going to keep them from doing it with this action, essentially. Is that, does that make sense? Yes, that's as not studying this uh, chasing. Um I would say that was my first instinct when I read this passage, yes. So, 
That kind of confuses me. What's the prophetic significance to us? God wants to punish Cayenne by driving him away, but doesn't want him dead. Is this giving Cayenne space to repent? Does this mean that God's desire was for Cayenne to someday return? And if not, why didn't God just kill him? Or, or at least not protect him? You know, why? Cayenne says, people will kill me for what I've done. Why doesn't God reply, well, yeah, you deserve it. Look at what you did. Right. I mean, if you didn't want to be killed, you shouldn't have done it yourself. Why does God protect him if he's truly uh, committed the unforgivable sin, completely walked away, a picture of Lucifer totally, and he's, he's not returning, period. And he has no shot of returning. So this makes me think there was a shot that... that you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think this just shows this shows tough love. God is love. And it despairs God the thought of losing even one. Right. So and that's exactly it. This is a picture to me of Jesus saying I left that I would leave the 99 to go find the one. Mm-hmm. Uh but I I don't know. That's why it all of these pictures, I'm I'm still tossing them over in my mind. I'm not, sh- I'm not certain of, of exactly what's happening here. But even if even if we're onto something with that, just here you go. This just just shows God's not going to force Himself. He might He might say, "Okay, you've got to go over here. You got to be away from me." He's not going to force Himself. He's not going to plead with you. He's not going to say. You know, he's not going to cry and beg you to come back to him. He's not going to force himself. But mm-hmm. no matter what you do, no matter what you do, you still have that choice. At any time, you can turn around. Right. Um, but again, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to confuse the situation further. If he's a picture of Lucifer, God leaves Lucifer alive mm-hmm. because he has a plan for Lucifer. Lucifer is a tool uh, to give us an adverse, an adversary, to give us adversity to 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 be that weightlifting equipment to strengthen ourselves to to uh, make ourselves stronger uh, to put us through the fire when need be to refine us and make us pure is Cain left alive because he is a picture of Lucifer because for that reason and I'm going to get into uh, a little bit later with my next podcast what Cayenne's lineage is and prophetically what that speaks to uh, because what we are going to see and I'm, I'm giving this away a little bit is God's plan comes through Adam and and through his line but there is an adversary and what we're going to see is Satan chooses Cayenne and Satan's people so to speak come through Cayenne's line and we're going to see that more and more, too, as we get into that. But is he left alive and protected because he has a role to play along that and to be a picture of Lucifer, that he's constantly there antagonizing us? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. So, again, it, it, we've said it before. It's always worth it to say to read a passage of Scripture, to look up and go, I have no idea what that just meant. That is a totally valid response. And so that's why we throw it out there. I don't have solutions, just ponderings, uh, you know. 
anyone says, hey, I, I have an idea on this, please comment. Uh, leave us an email, comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get your thoughts on the subject. Now, one thing about this verse, though, that I want to get into is the word sign. Yahweh set a sign for Cayenne. Now, again, I'm reading from the Hebraic Roots version. The other versions, the King James, every other version uses the translation mark. So I thought it was interesting that the Hebraic Roots version chose sign. And it made me question, was there a mark, like a physical spot, or was there just a sign? Was there just a feeling? Was it a spiritual thing? I, I really don't know. I can understand why the translators chose mark, and it might be true. There might be a physical mark that they could see and identify on him. And it might have been both. It might have been a physical mark was uh, the physical manifestation of something else that was upon Cayenne. But this word sign is Strong's Concordance 226, and it's the word oath. And it means a signal, literally or figuratively. Figuratively, it would be like a flag, a beacon, or evidence. Uh, but it can mean, it can be translated to mark. It can be translated as a sign. It can also be translated as a miracle or a token. Uh, so I just found that fascinating that the Hebraic Roots version would choose to define it as a sign when every other version says mark. Did you have something about that? Okay. No, I'm just trying to picture what that would be like then. You know, is it... Uh... If it's just a, is God saying, I'm, I'm putting a sign on him mm-hmm. that, that he's mine, even though he might be in defiance to me, he's, he's mine. Right. And that's a warning to anyone else that, uh, you know. And I guess one of the reasons I'm thinking about this is because I've been studying a lot of eschatological things and talking about the mark of the beast. And it made me question that too, because a lot of people I've been listening to have been saying, we've thought for years that it's going to be a tattoo or, you know, like a mark on your forehead or your, you know, your hand that someone could see. People are questioning, um, does that just reference something else? Is, is it a sign? Is it, is it something, not, not like a tattoo or a brand, but is it actually referring to something else, a sign, something that signals uh, someone that this this man belongs to Satan, but it's not necessarily, like I said, a tattoo branded to your hand like we would have thought a hundred years ago because, you know, that, that's what we were, our technology was limited to. Um, so it just makes me wonder, is it the same kind of thing going on here? Is it a literal physical mark or is there something else at play? Now, I will say the word picture here, Aleph, Vav, Tav, uh, a couple things I came up with with this word sign was uh, strength comes from joining together with the covenant. Uh, also, another one is the nail was Adonai Yahweh's mark. Oh, interesting. And I found that interesting, especially when you're talking about the mark being on the right hand, you know, uh, it was the, the, the nail piercing him. That was his sign. That was That's the sign of God. That's the sign that signifies to us that he loved us. And in this case, he puts a sign on him. He puts something, a mark, an an identifier of some kind uh, on Cayenne. I don't know exactly what it is. 
Now we're going to close up here. Uh, I, I We're already going. How long have we been going? Uh, we're just under an hour. Just under an hour. I'll try to wrap it up fairly quickly with this one, but I do want to end with Genesis 4.16 uh, primarily so I can start right into his lineage next time. But this, this also, it, it's a good ending point for what we've been talking about. Now, Cain went out from the presence of Yahweh. This is exactly the same as the word face. That's exactly the same word as face that just a couple verses ago. Cain went out from the presence of Yahweh and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So for the first thing is I realized I'd always been mispronouncing that. I always called it the land of Nod. Me too. Uh, but it is. It's pronounced Nod. Uh, it says that Cain went out from Yahweh's presence here. I find that interesting. It doesn't say Yahweh sent Cain out. It says Cain went out. And this kind of gets back into the, uh, you know, do we choose God? Does he choose us? Do we sin, you know, does, does God, you know, punish us for our sin or do we punish ourselves? There's that whole, I've heard it spoken of in churches a lot. Uh, you know, God, a lot of pastors have said, God doesn't punish you. You punish yourself. You did, you did wrong and the wages of sin are death. You did it to yourself. And, and that's kind of what I'm getting here is, yes, God is the judge and the authority uh, and he will hold you accountable, but you're the one who took the action. And I, I see that as happening here. Cain went out from Yahweh's presence. I see that as a statement that this is all Cain's fault. With his own action and his own decisions, he left God's presence. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, that makes sense. Um, I still think... I still think, yes, we're the responsible party. We've done it, but I still think, uh, I mean, the wrath of God, you know, had to be poured out. Oh, I agree. You know, so I still I still think, yes, you will be, you, <laughs> he is the judge, but he also gives the sentence, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The The amazing thing about God is the fact that your sentence can, can be paid in full if you just choose. Mm-hmm. If you just choose the free gift that Jesus yeah. is wanting to give to you. So, yes, absolutely. He will be the one that punishes you. He will be the one that sentences you. But it's always in your hands. We've talked about that in uh, both our studies at one point or the other. The, 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 the hand is reaching out. It, you have to make the decision. Do you take the hand or not? Yeah. And Cayenne, that's, again, that's why I believe he's a picture of Lucifer. He actively rejected that and went out from Yahweh's presence. So now, I, this word east, we've mentioned it before several times because east means, and, and, and I'm sure you remember this, but east can refer to eternity and eternal past. And uh, we've talked about Adam being placed east and in, into the east uh, the Garden of Eden was east of where Adam was created, and he placed him there to signify he took him back to the very beginning. And I thought, well, if if Cayenne dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden, why is it pointing that out in the same way? And what I found out is it's a different word. So he is. He's dwelling in the land of Nod on the east of Eden, but it is not Kedmah. 
which is what we came up with earlier, which is what the, the Hebrew word was used for earlier when referring to Adam, when referring to Yahweh God and eternity past. And this is similar, but it's not the same word. It is kidma, not kedma, it's kidma. And it is the feminine form of kedma. And it means the forward part, relative it relatively it means east but it does not mean it does not have the same connotation it does not mean uh eternity uh beginning beginning from a foretime uh does not mean eternal past or eternal future it just means the forward part so it's like it's kind of to me it was like he's saying cayenne got sent out go forth uh relatively that's the east but it's just kind of from now on you go that way that's interesting i uh i keep wondering too if um by choosing east if we're if we're if we're trying to stay okay that's my thoughts are kind of hard right now to explain but i i think of going west as what were our what our mission was Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I feel like you're, we're supposed to be going west because we're supposed to continue on and 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 get to the point of our uh, of our ever and ever. Keep going uh, with this, but I'm glad you're saying it because it's connecting to where I'm going. But then you have someone choosing to purposely go the opposite way of what God's wanting us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. My thoughts. That's no. I'm trying to get that thank in my you. head. Because now think of it this way. Now, I, I always like to, on this podcast, show my math. In other words, I like to show where, if I come up with a conclusion, I like you, even if you disagree with it, I like you to understand why I came up with it, where I'm going. So here, I'm going to fail in that because I'm <laughs> going to, uh, I'm just going to come to some conclusions uh, that I have and not, not take you why I came up with those conclusions. I want to point that out so you can treat this, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, he might be wrong here. And I might be. But I am under the understanding from Scripture, from other teachings, from what have you, that I'm not going to get into here. Sorry, not showing my math. Uh, The right hand of God is mercy. The left hand of God is judgment. Again, where I got that from, I'm sorry. Not going into it here. But this is where I'm going with it. If you think of it this way, God sits. His throne is above all. He's at the top. So he's compass north. So if God is north and he is looking down upon his creation, his left hand is west. His right hand is east. Now, again, what you just talked about, Adam was placed in the east to say like this is your eternal past. He's a prophetic picture of God having no past. He is in the image of God. And now he moves forward west into mercy. Adam moves from judgment to mercy. Cain, on the other hand, is moving forward forever into judgment. Yeah. So he lives in the land. He dwelt in the land of Nod, which is at the east of Eden, prophetically signifying he's living in judgment. And again, that word east, forward part. 
he is constantly moving forward deeper into judgment. Wow. Now, to go along with that, Node is Strong's Concordance number 5113. Now, the word itself means vagrancy, which what have we just <laughs> learned about Cayenne? He's going to be a wanderer. He's going to be a vagrant. Uh, he's going to be a fugitive in the earth uh, for all of his life. But this word node, uh, four, uh, I'm sorry, 5113, it is only used once in the entire Bible, and it is here at this place it is this verse because it specifically refers to this land the word uh itself comes from is taken from 5112 also pronounced node and it's where we get the the land's name from and it means exile and wandering and that word comes from a prime root 5110 and I find it interesting that in English this is pronounced nude uh, because this means to waver to wander to flee to disappear it can also refer to shaking your head in sympathy or tossing your head in scorn and this just so accurately describes where Cayenne is at this point, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, just just completely where he is. He's in exile. He's a wanderer. He, we shake our head in sympathy at him. We toss our head in scorn as to what he's done. He, he, he disappeared from God's presence. Uh, and, and just that word nude, just the, the shame of what he did. He's been made bare. You know, now obviously it doesn't mean that in Hebrew, but I find it fascinating that it does have that connection in English. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, God was aware of all languages that we would have, and we've talked about how he purposely, per perfectly weaves the tapestry. So, yeah, no, there, that could be important for us English speakers to pick up on something there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to close on this. I'll, I'll finish with this, and Brad, I'm going to give you final thoughts here before we wrap it up. But the word picture, the word picture for, no, for Node, the land, he, Cayenne dwelt in the land of Node, is Nun, Vav, and Dalet. And what I came up with was the descendant or heir to the throne was hooked away from the path. Oh, which gives credit to the idea that he was supposed to be uh, a physical representative of uh, Jesus. Interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up there. Uh, we are going a little long on time, I suppose. But any final thoughts that you would like to throw out? The only thing that I'll mention is just the the picture that's been painted today is tragic. Yes, very it's, much so. It's 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 um depressing and and it was all because of i believe it was all because of a stubbornness a a selfishness mm -hmm. you know so i guess my my final thought will simply be uh don't 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 let yourself be cast into a land of judgment <laughs> you know if you, if you feel like uh, you are in a place where you don't know if God can love you for the things that you've done, 
as, as Scott said, if you're already having that thought, then you've not fallen too far away. So just return. Head west. <laughs> yes. Head west. That's what I'll say. There's a Michael W. Smith. Go west, young man. Yes. <laughs> Go west. Head into his mercy. As always, this has been Scott. And this has been Brad. And this is not about us. <laughs>